Welcome to the Back Row Fantasy Show with your hosts, Jeremy Barker, Aaron Arms, and Chad Middle. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show where it's just me, Bark, Arms, and Knit. Not on this episode. Uh, good reason for that. We're going to have a debate. Uh, today, our debate is going to be with none other than Matthew Bruning and Dennis Bennett. You know them as uh, Down and Dynasty on Twitter. And, well, Matthew Bruning on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> So they're, they're going to do a little debate with me on the show. I'm going to do something a little different, bring you something a little new and fresh. And uh, a little bit about these guys. You got Dennis and Matt both actually right uh, for Dynasty Life. Is that correct? No, no, Fantasy Life. Yeah, yeah fantasy. The, fan, the Fantasy Life app. The Fantasy Life app. And uh, Dennis also contributes to Dynasty Nerds. And Matt also contributes to the DynastyGuru.com. So, technically, technically, a couple experts on the show. Because what makes a fantasy football expert? Being on a show. Exactly. What they contribute to the fantasy football world, industry, however you want to say it. But, uh, Matt, I'll let you bring a little. This is your first time on the podcast. Dennis's technically first time on the podcast but me and him do did do a little testing a uh, few handful of days back ago but matt take 30 seconds tell everybody a little bit about what you do and then pass it off to dennis all right well i've been writing for dynasty football for a couple years now uh just joined the dynasty guru earlier this year uh mostly do like rookie profiles and everything is what I spend most of my time doing. Uh, I've been playing dynasty football for six years now, fantasy football in general for 10. And, uh, I mean, that's about it. I, I just love playing, love the competitiveness. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's my favorite hobby. That That's about all you need to know about me. And Dennis. Well, I started writing uh, exactly 19 weeks ago for the fantasy life app. Uh, I decided after playing for a couple years and watching people start contributing uh, to various sites through Twitter and other sites, I decided, why not me? And so I asked the guys that ran the Fantasy Life blog, could I write for them? And they said, sure. So I decided I was going to do a weekly column, which is the Down in Dynasty column, because I want to write about Dynasty football, which I'm passionate about. I'm only in seven dynasty leagues, but that's plenty for me. Only? Yes, only. I I used to play uh, fantasy football. I first played back in the mid-90s for a few years. Then I stopped. I started back again in 2011. Uh, I'm still in that league I started in. Uh, but I started joining dynasty leagues about three years ago. And after I started writing, Rich from Dynasty Nerds reached out and asked me if I was interested interested in contributing to them and i was so i put an article or two a month there and i do the weekly dynasty down in dynasty column and it's good stuff i read both of you guys' stuff obviously or we probably wouldn't be talking right now um but but yeah i mean i I read both guys articles and uh both have have hit some out of the park in my opinion and and that's part of why we do what we do let's you know all get together talk about fantasy football together put our heads together and see what we come up with and speaking of which we're not going to waste any time tonight we're going to get right down to putting our heads together and having an actual debate the rules apply each person gets 60 seconds i shall be the man with the stopwatch i feel like this is the combine and uh, dennis and matt are getting ready to put their best 40 time on paper for me and uh, I'm going to chime in with my minute after uh, Matt and Dennis. And uh, which uh, you guys got a preference? Who who wants to go first? I'll announce the topic. I'll start the timer. But Matt, Dennis, argue amongst yourself. Debate who gets to go first. Uh, I, I would uh, I would actually love for Dennis to go first if, if he wants to. I'll go first. I'm not as scared. What a what a what a gentleman. Matt defers to Dennis. 
Uh, it's kind of like the coin flip. So Matt's going to be kicking it off to Dennis. And without further ado, we're going to start it out. Tyreek and Sammy Watkins. Obviously, most people are pro Tyreek. Uh, but can Sammy Watkins bring wide receiver 2 value to us in fantasy? Or wide receiver 3 value Dennis, go ahead and lead us off. Give us your take on Sammy. You can talk about Tyreek in there if you want, but start the debate on Sammy Watkins and go. Well, I'm in camp Sammy. I like bigger receivers. He comes in at 6'1", 211 with real good speed, and he's currently going on MFL at uh, number 66 overall versus Tyreek at 28. So there's a lot more pressure on Tyreek to put up numbers. Sammy, if he comes in at a wide receiver three, he's going to outperform his ADP, current ADP, by a substantial amount. 30 seconds. And Tyreek, what you have there is a small guy. Yes, he's fast, but he's kind of a, a one-trick pony of sorts. He likes to get out, run around. And smaller guys, I think, are often susceptible to injury. I know Sammy comes with some injury history, but he's a bigger guy with good hands, runs good routes. Uh, Sol solid 60 Mahomes seconds. is going to be the best, best quarterback he's played with. He, he spent three years with Tyreek and a young uh, Jared Goff. So. All right, all right. So that was that was Dennis's sixty, actually seventy. Dennis stretched out a little bit. I gave him gave him the extra ten because of a little static feedback there. So, all right, we've heard Dennis's take. Matt, sixty seconds on Sammy Watkins. Oh, am I going Sammy or Tyree? Whatever you want to do. It's it's the topic. I'll, I'll it's the up. topic of is Sammy a dynasty asset or does Tyreek make him not an asset? You can you can spin it however you want. Gotcha. Well, I think Tyreek makes him not a fantasy asset. Uh, just give you a little uh, background information on Tyreek really quick. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver eight, which was the first time that a wide receiver who has gotten 20% fewer of their team's targets than anybody else on their team and only 10% of their red zone targets. And he finished as a top 12 wide receiver. That hasn't happened in 18 years. So right there shows that he can make something out of nothing. He, he didn't get targeted, and he was still able to finish as a top 12 wide receiver. He's now getting Patrick Mahomes, who was top five in college for deep balls, which is what Tyreek excels at. As, as Bennett was saying, that he uses his speed to get by everybody. I mean, that's, that's not a bad thing. Yes, he's small, and he could be susceptible to injury. He hasn't really suffered any yet in his NFL career. So for me, his speed, his agility, his route running, to, and Patrick Mahomes' deep deep ball throw. Ten seconds, Matt. Makes him a far better uh, fantasy wide receiver, and in my opinion, he's going to outshine Sammy Watkins from day one. Ooh, right at 60. That's good stuff. I, and, I, yes, I am going to be a stopwatch Nazi, so be prepared. <laughs> um, I'll throw my 60 in there if I if I even need 60. Um, I am siding with Matt on this one. Um, I, I think that's okay. I, I have a lot of friends that are wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> love, love the spirit. That, now, listen, I, I got two sides to this. One, I think Tyreek is the superior receiver, and I don't think it's close. Um, I don't think Tyreek is a one-trick pony. I think Tyreek is a playmaker. You get your ball to the playmaker, whether it be short to give him space or deep, I, I think he can do it all, and he's young. He's only played a couple years in the league, and he really broke out last year. I think there is nothing to suggest that he can't become a complete wide receiver uh, with the talent that he has year three or year four. I, I don't. He's not a one-trick pony for life, in my opinion. They have tapped into that talent and made it look like he's just a deep threat, but Tyreek's a lot more. Sammy, he's growing on me. Patrick Mahomes looking deep. Sammy's good at getting open deep. He is growing on me. I think Sammy Watkins is a wide receiver three right now, fringe, but I Tyreek's my guy. All right, so the next topic, we're going to go straight to Indianapolis, and we're talking Marlon Mack or the rookies, Naheem Hines, and somebody tell me the other one because I got tripped up on my tongue. Jordan Wilkins. Jordan Wilkins. 
And Dennis, take us away on the Indy backs. Who's your guy and why? I, I'm a big Marlon Mack fan myself. Mack uh, put up 3,600 yards in college with 65 receptions. He's essentially the best parts of Naheem Hines and the best parts of Jordan Wilkins. He's almost as big as Wilkins. He's almost as fast as Hines. He's as good a pass catcher. Uh, if you look at their quickness, Hines is actually the slowest at the combine in the 20-yard shuttle. So Mack and Wilkins are both faster. I think Hines had one good season. I think my biggest argument for Marlon Mack over Naheem Hines is his name Matt Days. Do you know who he is? Yeah, Cleveland running back from last season. Yeah, he was the guy that uh, Naheem Hines couldn't beat out. Yep. I like it. And that's right at 60 as well, so that's good stuff. Matt, debate. Marlon Mack, do you agree with Dennis? Do you not agree, and why? I do not, and I wish I had more than 60 seconds on this. Jordan Wilkins is my boy. I've loved this guy since I started doing all my rookie stuff. Uh, So as Dennis was saying, he's just a little bit uh, bigger than Mack. He's 6'1", 216. Uh, he didn't play his junior year due to an ineligible uh, administrative error. So I think that gives him a little bit more life on his legs. His senior year in the SEC, he had 155 carries for 1,011 yards, which is average about 6.5 and nine touchdowns. That's going up against the best of the best. Alabama alone, he put up 101 yards on 12 carries. He's quick, light feet, slasher. His best comparable is Aaron Jones, and that's why I think he's going to beat out Marlon Mack. How much time do I got left? 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Hines, real quick, uh, I know he had a slow 40 speed, but he's a track. he ran track in college. He's he's a home run hitter. He had four runs over 50 yards last year in 83, 54, 50, and, or two for 50 in college. I mean, he's great at receiving the ball. He may not beat Mack out in that part, but I think he's going to be their dynamic receiving threat out of the backfield. There so we I go. I think those two together will be better than Mack. So. Uh- you're good, and I'll chime in. I I partially agree with both because I'm torn. I lean a little more towards Dennis. I think Marlon Mack, the way I saw him get to the outside last season in limited opportunities and immediately kick into that second gear and get past the second level of defenders, that excited me. And in his limited touches, he did that on a handful of carries, and I just saw something. I saw starting potential there. Naheem Hines, to me, uh, I'm not big on the smallish, you know, scat back kind of third down backs. I know some of them progress into more like uh, you got Thompson and Washington that's become a receiving threat, but not really a workhorse kind of guy. Uh, To me, if you're going to be a guy that size with that kind of speed and shiftiness, you've got to bring something else to the table, namely uh, BMI, like uh, BMI index. You've got to have some weight for that height. You've got to be Maurice Jones-Drew to me for me to want to, invest a high pick or you know put a lot of trust in you as a starting running back Hines I don't like to me he's Tariq Cohen Tariq Cohen to me is a bi-week guy or a flex guy not even every week uh, I like Jordan Wilkins though I him and Mac to me it's going to be interesting to watch I'm going to slightly go with Dennis I like Marlon Mack a lot so next topic we're going to dive right in I kind of wish we had more time on that one too because that, that could be a hotly debated situation there because there is no, you know, de facto starter walking into Indy this season. It's it's going to be a training camp battle. Yeah. Next one, sticking with the running backs, Tampa Bay. Uh, we've got Ronald Jones. Is he going to be, bar none, the guy in Tampa, or does a guy like Peyton Barber have a chance? Dennis, lead us off. I'm in the Barber camp. Last year, Barber had, I think, 11 games with more than 10 carries. Averaged over four yards a carry in all but one of them. He's solidly built 5'11", 225, with about 4'5", speed. Decent pass catcher, good pass blocker. I think Jones is, is just soft and doesn't have good vision. He went into the combine. Uh, tried to bulk up, strained his hamstring. I like how people want to talk about Jones being bigger than he looks. 
well, yeah, he bulked up. He got put on a bunch of water weight. He's going to go back down to 195 and then uh, be a lousy pass blocker with subpar vision. And uh, if he gets everything blocked perfectly, sure. So they're going to keep pounding Barber. He's going to end up with 200 carries, 10 touchdowns, 30 catches. I pass. Wow, I couldn't disagree more, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Matt, you give me your take. Rojo, Peyton Barber, or none of the above? Uh, I'm definitely going Rojo. I am not a not a Peyton Barber believer. So, for Rojo, just, I'll just use his uh, junior year, his last year in college. He rushed for 261 yards, uh, sorry, 261 attempts for 1,550 yards and 19 touchdowns. The dude's got... Elite speed. I know everybody wants to talk about how he doesn't have the weight and he ran slow in the combine. He pulled his hamstring on his pro day. Still with the with the with not a torn a pulled hamstring. He ran a four four eight with a pulled hamstring. I can't walk to my kitchen with a pulled hamstring. He ran a four six five with that actually. On his pro day, or are you talking about the combine? Oh, on his pro day. No, I was thinking of yeah. the combine. My his bad. pro day, he caught, clocked at four four eight, which again still you're going to get your hometown kind of call with that. And so I agree with you. It may have been a little bit slower, but still that, that was on a pulled hamstring. He ran a four, four, eight. He has top speed. He, he showed in college. Once he got past guys that he could keep going, keep it at top speed, blow by guys. He's going to, the one thing I'll, I will agree with on Dennis is he's not an inside runner. He, he's not a guy who's going to run up and take down linebackers on his way into the touchdown, which maybe he's not going to take down defensive backs. He will. He'll he'll be all right there. Don't worry about that. But Barber, he just, I mean, 108 attempts last year for 423 yards is just, it's not going to get it done. Rojo can catch the ball as well. Ten seconds. He, he didn't get a chance to do it as much in college, but even his last year, 14 catches for 187 yards, you know, average 12 or 13.4. He, he's going to be able to do it all once he's given the shot. Awesome. Five foot 10, 198 pounds, has the speed to get outside, catches the ball well. Uh, they say he's not an inside runner. I'm not even talking about Ronald Jones. I'm talking about a second-round draft pick by the name of LaShawn McCoy. Ronald Jones reminds me a whole lot of the rookie LaShawn McCoy, and I think Ronald Jones, with the opportunity that's been presented to him, uh, getting the chance to be the guy uh, to, to do it all for Tampa Bay, uh, to me, I'm just going to call it real quick. I don't even need my 60 seconds. Peyton Barber is a scrub, and Ronald Jones is the second coming of LaShawn McCoy. So oh, there. That's too bad. <laughs> Why? Jones doesn't have anywhere near McCoy's vision. He doesn't have anywhere near McCoy's shiftiness. Jones, he can run straight, but if he gets tapped, he goes down. He doesn't have any balance. He doesn't have any heft to him. He just... He's going to fall down. He's not going to get there. I mean, let's talk last year. I like how Matt talked about the year before. Last year against Notre Dame, the 46th ranked defense in college football, Ronald Jones had 2.7 yards per carry. Against Texas, the 43rd ranked defense, he had 2.6 yards per carry. So it's not like he's going up against the SEC there. Here's, here's something I'm going to add and we'll move on. A lot of the times when we are looking at players, we don't project. We see what they did in college. We expect them to stay the same. If that was the case, Le'Veon Bell would be a second stringer right now. Moving on, Lamar Miller for the Texans. Does he have his best year as a Texan? Does he fall flat on his face? Dennis, lead us off. Well, I don't think it takes a lot to have his best year as a Texan. Miller has shown that he's essentially a 65% back. So he doesn't have the wherewithal to stay healthy if you try to pound him 30 times a game. But he's a good pass catcher. He's got good vision. If you give him 16 carries and six targets, he's going to produce for you. I like Foreman in the long run, but it's his first year coming back from an Achilles, and it's it takes about 18 months to come back from that. So if this was you know August of 2019... I'd probably be on Foreman, but this year, I think Miller's going to come back in. He's going to keep his role. Foreman is going to get ease back in, and they're going to do well because I think between Nuke and Watson, they're going to have a good passing game. So O'Brien will 
will have the tendency to stick with what's working. And that's going to be Miller getting 16 to 18 carries, Ford getting four to eight carries, and Miller's going to put up probably his best year. Matt? All right, so I am anti-Lamar Miller as much as someone can be anti-Lamar Miller. So Lamar Miller, he's given the workload, which is a checkpoint for him. I mean, he, he's going to get the ball, especially because Foreman is out. He, he's probably, from everything I've seen, going to be probably put on the pup list because of that Achilles injury, so he can't even come back till week six. But in the past three years, his, his he's declined. You know, in 2015, his average was 4.5 yards on 872 yards 2016 1073 but for average only four yards a game or four yards a carry and then 238 for 888 and 3.7 yards a carry last year he's just slowly declining whether that's the workload maybe it's a bad offensive line in houston i just don't think lamar miller's as good as everybody else thinks he is it's just giving the ball a lot i think that tyler irvin and alfred blue are going to play a bigger role this year especially with irvin actually being healthy he was out all last year and I do think when Foreman comes back in week six, he's just the far better player. He's Ten going seconds. To take, I, he's going to take over probably by week eight and run with the job. I mean, if you look right now, Houston's already talked about cutting Lamar Miller, not knowing that it's Foreman's coming back or not before week one. All right, I'm going to side with Dennis on this one. I, and a little piece of Matt, but not what you think. Uh, I'm not a Lamar Miller fan. As a Miami Dolphins fan, whenever they let him walk, I was happy about it. And that's not to say he's not a good player. He's kind of like what people say about Tyreek Hill. He's kind of a one-trick pony. If he has a gap and he can get to it, he's got the speed to break one. Other than that, he doesn't break a lot of tackles. He doesn't show a lot of physicality. But I think this year, he's going to have his best year easily. They didn't bring anyone in uh, you know, to take carries away from him. They're just going to wait on Foreman you know, to rehab and get better. But this is a whole. This is a completely different animal this year. As long as Deshaun Watson is healthy, and assuming Will Fuller stays healthy, uh, DeAndre Hopkins stays healthy. Uh, they added Kiki Kuti. It's going to be a high-powered offense by the looks of it on paper. That bodes nothing but well for Lamar Miller, in my opinion. I think they are preparing to move on from him, but they're going to run the wheels off of him this year before they do so. All right, so. The next topic of discussion, I wish we could stick on Miller a little more too, but uh, Hearns or Gallup in Dallas or someone else? Dennis, go. I'm relatively neutral on this when it comes to Hearns or Gallup. You can't be neutral. Well, Hearns couldn't couldn't overtake the job last year in Jacksonville. Jacksonville looked at him and said, you know, we're good to let you go. Gallup is coming in, and he had a good college career, but I just uh, I don't know what's happening in Dallas. For all intents and purposes, it I wouldn't be surprised if Zeke leads them in rushing and receiving this year. Oh. They their tight end is a complete hot mess. I mean, Blake Jarwin, Rico Gathers, Dalton Schultz. You know, if anybody surprises me in Dallas, I'd in the wide receiver core, I'm betting on he's one of my deep sleepers. I think he's going to pop up, and you know he's got the size and the physicality. Who who did you say? Because you cut out a little bit, Dennis. And Noah, Noah Brown. Okay. So, second year guy out of ten Ohio seconds. State. A little homerism and it's homerism and probably hoperism. So, hoperism. I, I think I like Brown it. has the opportunity. Can take that big wide receiver role in Dallas they get him out on the outside uh, Dak has okay accuracy but they need somebody that can go get the ball Brown has shown himself to be a really tough wide receiver uh, I think he came out a, a year too early so spending a year buried in Dallas there is probably going to be good for him so if they get somebody to work the speed role I think Brown has as good a shot as anybody to step into the uh the Des Bryant role. They don't have anything at tight end, so somebody's got to catch it. Good deal. Came through nice and clear that time. Matt, take it away. Hearns, Gallup, or someone else. All right. Well, first I got to start off saying I agree with Noah Brown. I actually think that he's going to take over for Hearns probably by week five or six. Uh, I think 
same thing you guys have been saying. I mean, again, huge Buckeye fan, so it may be like uh, Dennis was saying, homerism or hoperism on him, but I, I think he's he's going to be a legit wide receiver for years to come. But for me, on Hearns and Gallup, I'm taking Gallup. Uh, I just think he's by far the fastest wide receiver they have on the team and the best wide receiver they already have on the team. Um, I don't see Terrence Williams or Alan Hearns being able to beat him out. Um, you know, like his best comparable player is Justin Blackman. Obviously, he, even though he's played in Colorado, seems to be staying off the weeds. So I think we're going to be good there. Uh, so, but I just—he's just light years ahead of everybody else in this wide receiver class, in my opinion. Besides DJ Moore, uh, that I think he, he's just going to light it up. My only fear with Gallup on the Cowboys is is Dak Prescott's uh, deep throwing ability. I, I don't think. He's overly accurate when throwing more than 30 yards, so I think that could hurt Gallup in the long run, but I just don't see him throwing it to anybody else but Cole Beasley. I mean, I do agree with Dennis that Zeke's going to be by far their best player, uh, but I don't, I just don't see Zeke also being able to lead them in receiving and rushing. He'll, he'll probably be second or third on that list, but I think Gallup's going to be their best wide receiver. Okay. I'll let us go over a little bit on that one just due to technical issues. Um <sighs> About the only thing I, I can add to that is kind of a rehashing of what both of you just said. Um, Jacksonville let Hearns go for a reason. When it boils down to it, those reasons are mostly injury concerns. If Hearns can stay healthy, I think he's got a shot to be the best wide receiver on that team. Uh, but that also isn't saying a whole lot to me. I think Gallup is a dynasty stash. I like him year two, year three, and beyond. I don't know if I like him as a wide receiver one or two, but I think wide receiver three value over the next couple years is feasible. Uh, I also love Noah Brown. Uh, I've been high on Noah Brown for a long time. This is where the projecting comes back into play for me. Uh, if you were to project his game based off of his college stats and his college uh, role, he would never see the field in the NFL. But you have to project growth with a guy like him. He came out too early. He should have stayed another year. He probably could have been a mid-round draft pick if he'd have played another year. Uh, I like Noah Brown. I think he's the only guy that could possibly fill the Dez role the way Dez did, which is you know playing that big-bodied wide receiver game. But I do like Kearns this year in fantasy as a wide receiver three. I think Gallup is going to be a solid wide receiver four, and I think Noah Brown could surprise and surpass them both, but that is a deep sleeper pick. All right, so next we've got Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield. Do you do you hold on Baker? Do you let him let him rip it on your starting roster if he comes into play? Uh, this should be a good one. Dennis, lead it off. Well, in my head, cognitively, I think you should let Baker sit. But in my heart, I look at it and say. This is a fighter. He walked on at Texas A&M. He walked on at Oklahoma. He's one of the most accurate passers to come into the league in years. He is braggadocious and brash, and he's likely to not make a lot of friends on other teams, but he's going to be a great leader on his team. Who else didn't, didn't have to sit and came in? Peyton Manning, Troy Aikman. You know, go in, take your lumps. He's got the confidence that if the Brown, he comes in and the Browns go 3-13, and 13, he's not going to go into next year thinking, oh, well, I'm a lousy quarterback. He's going to keep fighting, and I think he's going to be able to lift the team up. Is Tyrod a decent quarterback? Yeah, he's decent. He can put up some numbers. He can be safe. He'll run, he'll run a pleasant offense, but I don't think you win with running a pleasant offense. You need an ass kicker, and that's Baker Mayfield. Ooh, first curse word of the show. I love it. Matt, bring us some fire. All right, well, so I agree with him on ba on everything he said about Baker, but he, he was a walk-on at Texas Tech, not Texas uh, Texas A&M. Uh, Correction! There, there is no doubt about that. The My only thing on starting Tyrod this year is I believe the Browns are making the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor this year. I mean, he's if you really take a deep dive into Tyrod's stats, the dude has been a legit quarterback on Buffalo, which has been a horrible team the past couple of years. They've had Shady and nobody else on that offense. He's now got Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, David Njoku, Corey Coleman, who I think is going to be replaced by Antonio Callaway, uh, Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, and Nick Chubb surrounding him on top of a top five offensive line. 
Tyrod's going to lead them to the playoffs this year. Baker needs to sit just just to learn, to learn this offense, to learn because I also think Hugh Jackson's probably going to get fired after this year. And I don't want Baker to try and learn two new offenses in two years. Let him sit this year and learn next, and come out next year, lead the Browns to a Super Bowl. Nice. I couldn't agree more with you, Matt. The Browns have more weapons than they've had in a long, long time. Uh, Tyrod set up for much more success on Cleveland than any year that he was in Buffalo. That being said, Baker Mayfield, to me, was the right choice at pick number one. I love his moxie. I love his fire. I love his, you know, his competitive streak. And I cannot wait to see him on the field. But the Browns did give up. You know, we, we like to talk draft capital. They drafted Baker number one. They gave a third for Tyrod. That's, that's not small pickings. That's actually a steep price to give for him. And I think they did that with the plan of, you know, Baker Mayfield is our quarterback of the future. But we're going to do it right. We're going to make sure that this line is good, that this offense is good, that this team gels right because there's a lot of new pieces. And we're going to let a savvy veteran like Tyrod be the guy to show us that everything is ready for Baker in year two. So you're telling me that the Browns are a playoff team with Tyrod. Absolutely. But but they shouldn't play the better quarterback than Tyrod. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. I think Baker... Mike Mike Tyson used to say it all the time. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's very true. But Tyrod can do for this team what they need him to do. And if they just be patient, Baker can come out of the gates in year two, not even having played a game, and be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Just my opinion. Next, we've got Detroit, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, or maybe even Kenny Galladay. Dennis, hit us up with it. Well, I'm a Marvin Jones supporter. Uh, I think Tate Tate is going to get the most passes or most targets, but I think Jones has shown the ability to play inside and out. He goes up and gets the ball. He gets in the end zone. Uh, they don't have a tight end, so touchdown red zone looks are going to be down to Jones and Galladay. Galladay has to prove he can stay healthy, so Marvin becomes the guy. He's going to end up with uh, probably two yards, three yards more per catch than Tate, so that's going to make up for the extra targets that Tate gets, and Jones is going to probably double him in touchdowns. He's shown himself to be a very consistent uh, player. I, I think it was Bob Lung I just saw said that uh, Jones is in over the last three years has been in the top 10 in wide receiver consistency. But I wouldn't quote me on that uh, because I only read it in passing. So it, it, that could be completely made up. Um, but I like Jones to Ten seconds. the better playmaker. Uh, Tate's going to get you the short, short ones. He's going to fight. For, he's going to fight. He has a lot of heart, but I'm on Team Jones. Matt? All right. Well, I for I guess to start off, I think Tate's going to be the best of this wide receiver core. Uh, I mean, he showed it over the past couple of years. His Just the way he connects with Stafford, and uh, I know they're already talking about signing him even more long-term. I know he's 30 years old, but I still think he can strive as a you know wide receiver probably low mid-tier wide receiver two for the next couple of years. Um, Marvin Jones, Dennis was right. I think it was actually top 12, though, he's been the past couple of years. Um, um, Marvin Jones has been legit. You, you can't say he hasn't. The only thing I say about on why Tate's going to be better is I think Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are going to cannibalize each other. Last year when uh, Jones was on the field without Kenny Galladay, he was getting 10 targets, averaging 17.5 fantasy points a game. With Kenny Galladay on the field, his Targets got cut in half down to five, and he was only averaging about 12.3, I think is what it was. Seven seconds. Stafford looks to Kenny Galladay for some reason, or they Jim Bob Cooter wants to go to Kenny Galladay. I think those two will cannibalize each other in a way, and Golden Tate's going to lead that uh, wide receiver court. Here's a great thing for Detroit. They have good wide receivers. Uh, Marvin Jones is a solid wide receiver. Golden Tate is underrated year after year, and Kenny Galladay looked like he could possibly be a true superstar just based off the preseason and his limited snaps, if he can stay healthy and just progress in that offense, uh, I love Kenny Galladay. Does that mean Kenny Galladay is going to be the best fantasy wide receiver on that team this year? Absolutely not. I agree with both of you. It's Golden Tate, consistent year in and year out. 
And I like Marvin Jones, but the fact remains, two years prior to his breakout year last year, his true breakout year, he's put up good touchdowns with Cincinnati before, but last year he put it all together to become a top 20 wide receiver. But two years prior, four touchdowns apiece. I think the uh, the touchdown count for him is fluky. I don't think it's going to happen again. I agree with Matt to an extent that him and Galladay are going to cannibalize each other a little bit because Galladay is going to get more playing time, play more snaps, and be somebody that Matthew Stafford can't help but look at down the field. But obviously and ultimately, Golden Tate is the guy for me. Let's move on. Uh, Denver. Royce Freeman. Is he absolutely 100% the guy to own? If so, why? If not, why? Dennis? Freeman comes into the NFL at 5'11", 225 pounds with 4'5 speed, having started for, I think, all four years of his college career, rushed for over 4,000 yards, caught, I think, 120 passes, if I remember correctly. He was very proficient in both the run and pass game. Uh, he's solid all around. He's going to He's going to outrun Booker. He's going to be as competent as Booker in uh, the passing game, and it's only going to take a couple weeks for uh, Denver to realize that why do I need to take Freeman off to do the same thing that Booker does when he's as good at it. There will be a change of pace back, Booker, maybe Phillip Lindsay, who was drafted this year, but Freeman is going to be the workhorse there, and he's going to – wouldn't surprise me if he finishes second to uh, Saquon for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Ooh, Matt. Well, I don't. There's probably not going to be much of a debate on this one. I actually agree with Dennis on Royce Freeman. Uh, I do think he'll lose out receiving work to Philip Lindsay when he beats out Devin Booker. Uh, which, oh. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I mean, I. I but I don't really have much. I, I've got to give it to him. I don't have much else to say. I'm not a Booker fan at all. I think Royce Freeman's going to run away with his job. And, uh, I mean, I think, like I said, Philip Lindsay will come in and he'll get some receiving work. Even though Freeman does excel at receiving, uh, I think Philip Lindsay's better than him at that. So Freeman will get uh, probably the first two downs rushing the ball and then some receiving work here and there. And then Lindsay will come in and clean up whenever he can. I, uh, I'll play devil's advocate. I, I think Devontae Booker is a little underrated. Not a lot. He's a little underrated. I think uh, they're going to give him more touches than he's ever seen before in Denver. By no means do I think that means Freeman's not going to see the ball. I think there's going to be a 50-50 split uh, to start the season out between Devontae Booker and Royce Freeman. And I obviously have him pretty close in the talent department. Uh, I think Devontae Booker just has had a slow start. And I don't buy into rookies extremely... Highly, I guess you could say, uh, from year one, I am a little bit cautious on any rookie, not named Saquon and Rojo, because I'm high on Rojo, but I like Royce Freeman. I mean, ultimately, I think he's the back of the future, but it would not surprise me a bit if Devontae Booker put it together based off the opportunity he's about to get, because watch game one. Game one, Devontae Booker is going to get between 17 and 20 carries, and what he does with them will go a, a great a great ways to determine what happens with Royce Freeman after that. If Royce Freeman's a 10 carry guy or if he's going to be a 20 carry guy. And like I said, as the season progresses, I expect Royce's carries to uptick, but it all depends on that first game or two, what Devonte Booker does with the opportunity that that's going to make or break Royce Freeman's rookie year. So dynasty stash to me. Uh, next we've got Miami. We're going back to the wide receiver spectrum. Uh, who's your guy in Miami? They lose Jarvis Landry. Um, they they don't have anyone there that's been a consistent um, wide receiver for Miami or any other team for that matter. Who's the guy and why? Dennis, take us there. Well, I think you can only be disappointed in Devontae Parker so long before you move on. Agreed. You know, in, in one of our leagues, it doesn't matter what happens with the wide receiver news. Somebody posts the Devontae Parker stock up sign, and it's become a running joke because one of the guys was so pro Parker for like two years. So I'm on Kenny Stills. I think it is ADP. Uh, he's down there a little ways. He's going to be the guy to own there. 
He, I don't think uh, Amendola isn't going to challenge him. Stills is on the outside. Uh, Albert Wilson is going to come in, and he's going to be battling with the Parker role. So I think the two of them will split the Parker role. Amendola is going to probably get have some of his targets taken up by Gesicki. And so that leaves Stills to be the number one right wide receiver in Miami. So he'll go out, catch 75 at, you know, probably 15 yards a pop and six touchdowns or something. But he'll have a, a good year and lead that team. I think the biggest challenge Stills has Five is whether seconds. or not whether or not Tannehill can actually con- connect with him downfield. That's going to be Stills' biggest challenge. Matt? All right, so what Dennis just finished saying right there is why I'm not a believer in Stills. Uh, Stills' relevancy has only come when Matt Moore has been the quarterback at uh, for Miami. Ryan Tannehill has been in. He just can't seem to find Kenny Stills. So that is why I am firmly planting my flag with Devontae Parker because if not now – uh, I mean, the dude, when he last played with Ryan Tannehill, got 56 catches for 744 yards and four touchdowns. By far his best year. For whatever reason, those two seemed to have a connection before Tannehill got hurt. I think he was his ACL or something that year before they were going into the playoffs. I mean, Parker has all the skills. He's he's showing up early this year in training camps to work more with Ryan Tannehill, which he's not done in the past. I think he's finally realized that if he doesn't get his act together, he's gone. because Nobody else is going to take a shot on him. He's just going to be another failed first-round pick. So I, I just – I don't – Danny Amendola is not going to eat into his targets. I, I do worry a little bit about what Albert – Five seconds. Do, but I, I'm firmly with Devontae Parker being the best wide receiver in Miami this year. All right. I'm going to disagree with both of you. Uh, as a Miami fan – my first thought on Parker is, does he show up you know, early to camp to play with Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, he does. Does that mean he's putting in the work? No, it doesn't. He's uh, I see a work ethic issue with Devontae Parker. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to pan out. Uh, Stills, to me, great football player. Great guy to have on your team. That doesn't mean he's a great guy to have on your fantasy team. He's a bi-week guy, in my opinion. I'm with Matt on the side of Tannehill not being able to hit him consistently enough to catapult him to that wide receiver two or one range in fantasy or wide receiver one range in Miami. I'm going uh, completely, utterly, 100% with Albert Wilson. I think he's a guy that uh, has been miscast in Kansas City because Kansas City pretty much supports one fantasy wide receiver. And by the time Albert Wilson got going and got a little bit warm, Tyreek Hill came into play. Obviously, I'm not saying that Albert Wilson is anywhere near Tyreek. Tyreek's going to be a superstar. But Albert Wilson can be a very consistent possession receiver uh, underneath in the neutral zone, in the soft spots, and that's where Tannehill thrives. Albert Wilson's my guy. Next, we go on. Let's Actually, let's go straight to the rookie tight end, who the top rookie tight end is going to be since we're on the Miami track and since uh, Gusecki was already mentioned. Uh, Dennis... Is Gasecki the best rookie tight end? I know uh, you've got someone else in mind. Who's your rookie tight end to own for this fantasy season only? Well, I, I think the rookie tight end to own this season is Mark Andrews. He's going to step into that big slot position up there in Baltimore. There's going to be Crabtree out on one side, John Brown on the outside, and I mean, is is really is Willie Sneed going to be a threat to Andrews getting playing time? Andrews wasn't known for his blocking, so he's going to be splitting the seam, getting open in the zone, and Flacco's going to find him as a comfort. He's going to keep checking down to him. He's going to pick up 10, 12 yards a pop, and he's just going to keep rolling along and getting open. He showed when he was in college that he has that ability to find that space. Uh, he played with an accurate quarterback that knew how to get the ball to him. Flacco for his ups and downs, uh, can get the ball down the field and into tight windows. He doesn't have uh, any any qualms about throwing it into a tight space. And I think Andrews is going to get open and he's going to get the ball, probably be second on the team in receptions behind Crabtree. Awesome. Good use of your 60 seconds. Matt, what's your take? Uh, I am firmly with Dennis on this one. Uh, uh, I know this is probably going to hurt you a little bit, but I think Mike Gusecki is just extremely overrated he's, he's oh, a right freak. in my heart <laughs> he's a physical freak but I, I don't feel like he's shown enough to to prove that he can be something this year maybe in the future give him a couple years but right now i just don't see it uh mark andrews just to 
just to add on to what Dennis was saying, I mean, they've already said that he's going to be competing in the slot right there. So, I mean, he's, he's going to probably be their best slot receiver if he's put there. He played wide receiver in college. He moved to tight end his junior year and just lit it up with Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's got nobody else. Everybody wants to talk about Hayden Hurst, but all Hayden Hurst does is block. If you look at his college stats, he didn't catch the ball that much. I think the most yards he ever got was 400 yards. Mark Andrew beat that when he was a wide receiver. At tight end, he doubled it. So, for me, Andrews is going to be the breakout wide, re- wide receiver, the breakout tight end on Baltimore this year, and he's probably going to finish second to Michael Crabtree in all the receiving stats and touchdowns for Baltimore. Excellent. You see your 60 seconds as well. Uh, obviously I'm disagreeing with you both and this has absolutely nothing to do with me being a Miami Dolphins fan because I'm very upfront about you know anybody on that team uh, before the draft before the combine Dallas Goddard Mike Gusecki those were the debated names as the top tight end in the draft that was before the combine then after the combine Gusecki blows it out of the water if there's one thing Ryan Tannehill can do like I mentioned earlier it's make guys like Jarvis Landry and Charles Clay marketable and profitable. And he's going to do the same with Gasecki. Gasecki's a far superior athlete and a far superior prospect than Charles Clay. And I expect Gasecki to pace all tight ends in receptions. Although I do also agree it is highly debatable. So I'm not going to argue much more on that topic. Um, Christian McCaffrey is next. Do we buy him? Do we sell him? Is he going to become a workhorse back? Is he going to maintain the same exact role as he had last year? Dennis, take us there. Well, I think you sell Christian McCaffrey. He had a 3.7 yards per carry average, 70% completion rate. He's five foot eleven and 201 pounds. Uh, unless you want to be stuck with the next Theo Riddick, you need to cash out on McCaffrey now. McCaffrey has averaged 90 targets. Uh, Riddick, which one was it? Uh, oh, I lost that stat. Anyways, McCaffrey to me just, he looks like Theo Riddick. Small back, good receiver, excellent receiver probably, I would even say. But he's not going to be able to run the ball inside. He just doesn't have, he'll, he'll get trick plays, he'll get jet sweeps, he'll get the occasional inside handoff. But he's probably going to get 100 carries a season, 120 and then he's going to be receiving. And in PPR, will that be serviceable? Probably. But I think you probably saw his ceiling during his rookie year. They're going to bring in, they brought in C.J. Anderson. He's going to carry the ball. They're drafting receivers high, D.J. Moore. Um, they like Funches, and it's a North Turner offense, and so they're going to slow things down. So I'd be selling McCaffrey. Didn't even need your 10 seconds. Okay, Matt? Uh, I think you, you hold or buy Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, I know he only had 3.7 yards to carry last year, but he was splitting time with, with Jonathan Stewart while he was there. Jonathan Stewart's gone. They bring in Anderson. Uh, I, I don't know how you can be really sold on Anderson. I mean, he only had, I think, six good games in Denver. I mean, he won a lot of people fantasy championships. What, I think that was 2015 or 16, but – Ever since then, he hasn't proven anything. I think he's probably going to be more of a goal line back. Uh, with, with Christian McCaffrey, again, I know he played in the Pac-12, so he didn't play the Alabamas, the Auburns, the big SEC defenses. But his sophomore year, he had 337 carries. Junior year, 253 carries. Regardless if you're playing the big boys or not, that's, you're still taking hits. You're still playing good defenders. He proved he could do it in college. If he's given the ability, I think he can do it in Carolina. Yes, he, he's probably going to be more of a get more receptions than he is rushing, but he's he's proven that he can be viable catching the ball this year. So uh, for me, he, I mean, he had 80 receptions and 651 yards this year on five touchdowns, and that, that was splitting time with Jonathan Stewart. If they make him the lead back this year, I think he's going to easily be a top 12 to 15 back. So you need to keep him. All right, I uh, it's a tough one. I I also I, I'm with Dennis. I don't think McCaffrey, I think when you are looking for a running back one or two, you want them to actually be a running back one or two. McCaffrey is going to be a top 25 for at least a handful of years based off his receiving prowess alone. Um, If you ship this guy off to New England and tell him to put on Wes Welker's old jersey and do what Wes Welker did, give him to me as a wide receiver all day long, I'll pay a premium. 
but as a running back, especially in Carolina, where the best running back on that team is designated as a quarterback, uh, I'm selling McCaffrey for as much as I can get for him right now. C.J. Anderson, yeah, not a world beater, but he's going to do just enough to keep McCaffrey at that 15 to 25 range. And for his price, uh, that's that's not worth it to me. Uh, let's move on back to wide receivers. Uh, the rookie wide receiver to own for 18, and I'm not talking just dynasty with these rookies because there's a lot of dynasty holds, but I want to know who is your wide receiver uh, rookie that's actually going to be fantasy relevant this year, Dennis. Well, if I'm looking to score points with a rookie wide receiver this year, I'm taking Christian Kirk. He's a solidly built running or wide receiver with a running back body. So when he catches the ball, he's going to do some damage. He ran a limited route tree in college, but he's shown uh, through his workouts that he has an understanding of how to play the game. And then he gets to go in and learn from one of the best wide receivers ever to play the game. His competition for targets, aside from Larry, is Bryce Butler and Chad Williams. Now, I'm high on Chad Williams, but if you look at that Dallas wide receiver core, they, they, it's a hot mess, and they even looked at Bryce Butler and said, no thanks, we're going to pass. So it's down to, to Chad Williams and Christian Kirk, and I think that uh, with DJ back taking the heat off the offense uh, close to the line, you're going to leave Kirk wide open uh, in the intermediate and deep, deep range. And Sam Bradford is, if nothing else, the half a game he plays each year accurate. And then Josh Rosen's going to come in, and they're going to have practice as rookies closely together, and they're going to have an instant connection. So if I have to have one rookie this year to score me points, I'm going with Christian Kirk. All right, Matt. All right, I'm going to go deep, deep dive here. I'm going to go a guy who's who's not even being drafted. I'm going to take Jaleel Scott in Baltimore. Uh, I, I mean, I was already – propping up Michael Gallup earlier, so I do think he's going to be good. Uh, what worries me about Christian Kirk is the fact that he, he'll lose out a lot of snaps to Larry Fitzgerald because I think he's more of a slot wide receiver than an outside wide receiver. As good as Sammy Sleeves is, he hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. He's probably going to blow his ACL out on the second snap of the week of the year, and I, I'm just not sure what Josh Rosen is going to be able to do with him. Jaleel Scott, he's 6'6", 215, can high point the ball with the best of them. He had a good college year. Good, good college uh, career at New Mexico State. I mean, he ran a, he ran a four five forty. His best comparable is Kenny Galladay. That he's got no one else to compete with in Baltimore but Michael Crabtree, and I think he can be an even better red zone threat than Crabtree or Mark Andrews, who we talked about earlier. Joe Flacco has shown that he can he can throw the deep ball. He likes to throw it up to guys. So give me give me someone who I think can do something on an offense that might be something uh, in Jaleel Scott. Nice. Nit, that is Nittle approved right there. Nit loves him some Jaleel Scott. Uh, I'm going to throw out Anthony Miller as my most fantasy wide receiver, uh, fantasy relevant rookie wide receiver for 18. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to make a huge jump. Not quite Carson Wentz like, but, you know, getting close to that level. And they brought in Allen Robinson. There's going to be a lot of focus on Robinson, a lot of focus on when uh, Cohen is in the backfield. And Anthony Miller, much like Jarvis Landry and, and much, much like a, a Wes Welker, is going to find those soft spots in the zone and kind of feast underneath. And he's just going to get open. That's what he does. He gets open. Trubisky's going to find him. He's going to be a great safety blanket for him. And I love Anthony Miller for 2018 if you are looking for a wide receiver that can make spot starts for you. Ultimately, I don't see any rookie wide receiver that is a sure bet every week. Uh, to start and help you get to the playoffs. But if I had to bet on one, it's Anthony Miller. All right, we're getting close to the end. Uh, let's go with Indianapolis tight end situation. Ebron or Doyle? I think, uh, I believe Dennis is passionate about this one. Dennis, tight end in Indy. Well, as a lifelong Detroit Lions fan, I was so happy to see Eric Ebron leave. I am so Team Doyle. Uh, this was the stat I, I thought was for the uh, McCaffrey one, but uh, Doyle has averaged 90 targets since he became the starter in Indianapolis. Ebron, in his uh, career, has not had over 90 targets, and Ebron has played for a very high-powered offense. Uh, in 11 years, Ebron put up 
or in four years, Ebron has put up four. Or gosh darn it! In four years, Ebron has put up eleven touchdowns. In two years, Doyle put up nine. Uh, Doyle's going at uh, ADP of one eighteen, and Ebron is going at one seventy four. Ebron's going behind Tyler Eifert by close to thirty picks. Ooh, ten so seconds. People don't think much of Ebron, so Doyle is going to continue to get targets. He's going to be on the field because he's a good blocker, and so he's going to provide the numbers and the versatility, if not the spectacular drops. All right, Matt. Uh, so as as much as I, I love Jack Doyle as well, I'm going to go with Eric Ebron. Uh, I know that he did not have a very successful year or career, really, in Detroit, but as much as I love Matt Stafford, he is no Andrew Luck. If Andrew Luck comes back healthy, Ebron's now playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with. I mean, he's got the skills. He's got the ability to be a top tight end. I think with the way that their wide receiver core is shaking up, it's going to be T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, and Eric Ebron, and that's it. So everybody knows how good Jack Doyle is. Everybody knows how good T.Y. Hilton is. Everybody thinks they know how bad Eric Ebron is. But I think he's going to be open more than the other two, and he's going to get his fair shot to put up points. If you look at their two careers the past couple years, They've both actually finished fairly close to each other despite Doyle scoring more touchdowns and putting up more yards. Ebron's only finished a a little bit behind him in 2016 and 2017. I think this is the year he surpasses it. All right. I am uh, siding with Matt on this one. I I look at Detroit as a franchise, and I, I I can't name a tight end that has played in Detroit in the past 20 years that's been an exciting fantasy play. Uh, Brandon Pettigrew is the only name that comes to mind, especially under you know Stafford's watch at quarterback. Uh, I just don't think Detroit is a quarterback-friendly team or system. I don't know if or when that's going to change, um, but I like I, I like Eric Ebron more than than most, and that's not to say I'm high on him, but I think he has a real chance going to Indy to put up a career year. And uh, Jack Doyle is on a team that kind of is tight end friendly. I mean, Indianapolis has been a passing team for a long time, and tight ends have always played a role there. Uh, Dallas Clark comes to mind instantly. You have to think about it with Detroit a little bit. But if Andrew Luck does come back, um, he he has a little bit of rapport uh, with Doyle, but I wouldn't say it's enough for him to not find a new love in Eric Ebron. I think Ebron's a sneaky grab and a sneaky play. Uh, late in drafts, I like Ebron a whole lot as a uh, tight end two with tight end one upside. All right, going back to wide receivers, we're going right back uh, to the debate on that. Green Bay, who is the wide receiver two, and who's going to be fantasy relevant in Green Bay besides Devontae Adams? Dennis? Well, I'm going to go with Geronimo Allison. I think that, uh, and I haven't done a bunch of research yet, I'm going by uh, the fact that I just drafted him at the 4.06 in the uh, uh, Big Ten points league that we have. So it's hard to look at it sometimes and, and because after the, the wide receiver won, it gets really sketchy in Green Bay. You know, Jordy ruled the roost for a long time. Adams has stepped up and he seems to be taking that role. And then you have a, a parade of who's going to step up next and it it doesn't seem to be consistent because Aaron Rodgers is such a good quarterback so he goes where he thinks people are open and I think that uh, Geronimo Allison having been in that system for a couple years now is going to be able to stay ahead of the rookies that came in and I think Randall Cobb has shown who he is and it's nothing special so I'm going Geronimo Allison. Nice, Matt. All right. So for me, I, I do agree with Dennis somewhat on Geronimo Allison. Uh, I do think he's probably going to take over that wide receiver two role, though. I, I mean, Devontae Adams, I think, is the stud. And Aaron Rodgers has proven that when you trust somebody, he's going to them more often than anybody else. Uh, so I'm just going to use uh, – I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything else, I guess, to say against that. Uh, Randall Cobb, I don't think, is going to take anything away from him. He'll be in the slot. Uh, I don't see Jamon Moore or ESB taking over as much as I love ESB. Uh, I don't think he's going to do anything this year. All right. I uh, 
Sadly, I was hoping it got more argumentative as we went on, but this is just one where we all three agree. Geronimo Allison is one of my favorite bargain buys of the offseason. Um, I think as long as he can hold down that starting position, Aaron Rodgers is going to make him extremely fantasy relevant. Uh, I believe Randall Cobb's days as uh, fantasy relevant are about to be over. Uh, and I think uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to be the surprise out of that draft uh, where they went heavy on wide receivers. And I like him to pick up some meaningful snaps in the slot and outside. But I like Geronimo Allison as a true breakout this year. I'm really excited because I own a lot of shares in him. And this is one of those times where I hope to God I am not freaking wrong. Because Geronimo Allison is my dude. I'm all in. Geronimo on Allison. All right, last one. We're at the end. We wanted it to last an hour. Hour of debating. Not the most exciting way to end it, but probably... Probably the closest battle and matchup we have amongst player versus player. Uh, Minnesota, with Cousins in tow, is Adam Thielen still the guy that's going to you know, pace that team in fantasy receiver points? Or is Stefan Diggs going to click with Cousins and put up a career year that eclipses Adam Thielen's? Dennis? I think the challenge here is when I think about the wide receiver two in Washington with Cousins, I can't think of who they were. And so that really gives me pause about not having a strong feeling. I think Thielen and Diggs both have really good games. And I've seen Diggs compared to Antonio Brown over the first three years. Is that fair to Diggs? I don't know, but what I know is Thielen gets on the field and Thielen gets open and Thielen makes plays. Diggs makes plays too. Uh, I think if I had to if I had to choose who's going to be the one there, I'm going Adam Thielen because he just seems to have a bit of fight to him that I don't see in Diggs. Diggs is a smooth player. He gets open. He runs great routes. Thielen does all of that, and then he's a fighter. And so I'm going to go with Thielen. Matt? Uh, unfortunately, I was hoping we, we'd be able to end on a debate, but uh, but I'm with Dennis on this one. Uh, I, I just think Thielen's the better better wide receiver. I know he's a little bit older. Maybe, that's, maybe he's better now because he's had more time to mature than Diggs, but he's shown he can be consistent the past two years with Case Keenum. I think Kirk Cousins is a top-five quarterback. Uh, and just what Dennis was saying about Washington earlier, it, it seems like, and maybe they'll be running different offenses, obviously, but uh, Kirk Cousins has only been able to make one wide receiver relevant. I, I kind of see uh, Stephon Diggs and Josh Doxson to be a little bit similar and that they're going to be running more uh, down downfield routes. Uh, I don't think that, that plays well with Cousins. I think he's going to go more with the short intermediate routes with Thielen, who plays more in the slot than Diggs. And so I think Thielen's just going to continue running away with this wide receiver one job in Minnesota. I think you're both smoking the devil's lettuce, Thielen. No, no, actually, there is no wrong answer in this one, in my opinion. Uh, but I am, I'm going to take a stab, and I will disagree with you both, although it's not much of a disagreement. I believe Diggs and Thielen, provided they both stay healthy, I think you can count on both of them. Uh, for top 15 wide receiver finishes, much like last season. I think Diggs may have fell outside the 15 by a couple spots here and there, depending on your league format. But uh, Washington, whenever Cousins was in Washington, the, the fact is there was no, there really wasn't a wide receiver last season. Um, you know, the, of course he was only going to make one fantasy relevant. They don't really have anyone. Jamison Crowder's okay, but he's just okay. Cousins has never played with a guy like Diggs and Thielen at the same time. I think both of those guys are going to be just fine. And I think Diggs had that moment in a player's career when he scored that touchdown that we've all seen 40 times over to the Titanic theme song. When he scored that touchdown, I think you saw just superstar attitude when he jerked that helmet off. I I think he's going to carry that confidence into this season. I think Cousins is going to find out that Stephon Diggs is one hell of a player. Obviously, Thielen is too, but I'm going to give Diggs the slight edge. I, I like that he can get open deeper, and he's a uh, larger big play threat. 
I know that Thielen is the safer bet here, but I think Diggs stays healthy, puts it all together, and that he's the wide receiver to own. Though, again, that's not saying much because I'd be happy owning, owning them both, which I do in my main league. That's how confident I am in both of them. But I do love me some Diggs this season. So that's the note we ended on. We didn't curse each other. It all went fairly smooth. Maybe on the next debate episode or the next one after the next one where you guys could come back. I've got debate. Debate episode two is already slated with two guys that have been on the show multiple times. And then maybe debate episode three. We go right back to Dennis and uh, and Matt because it's been a good one. And I appreciate you guys coming on. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being a stopwatch Nazi. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it too. And I'm looking forward to both of you's, uh both of yous. Oh my gosh, it sounds like I'm down in Texas with Matt right now. I hope that both of y'all enjoyed being on the show and enjoyed uh, Dennis your first podcast experience. Matt, uh have you have you done any podcasts, Matt? No, sir. This is my first one. Oh, sweet cherry busting on two people tonight. Yep. Sweet. Hey, it went well. I appreciate you guys. It went well. You brought your A game. There's a few little indiscrepancies in the episode that I refuse to edit out because this was under pressure. I stuttered a little bit. The 60 seconds, the debating, the trying to squeeze in as much info as you can, I like it. That, that's when it's real. No editing on this one. That's how it's going to stay, and I appreciate it. You guys did great. I appreciate it. We'll see you guys on the next one. Tell everybody bye. We'll close this episode out. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Thanks, yeah. man. Have a great night. Thank, thanks for having me on. Have a great night and hope to be back again soon. Thanks. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to, to getting you on for a while, Matt, and, and the more I've gotten to talk to Dennis, you know, it's exciting to have him on as well. You guys keep writing good articles. We all look forward to reading them, and I look forward to having you guys on the show again, uh, hopefully for some more debating or you guys talk amongst each other and, and uh, figure out something you'd like to do. That's what we're all about on the Back Row Fantasy Show. We don't have to do what we want to do. We can do what you want to do. So talk amongst yourselves, figure out a great way to pitch an episode, and we'll get it done. But thanks, guys. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys right next on. time. Go Bucks. Later. There you go. go. Bucks. See you guys. Bye. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. That was fun. I enjoyed it. I kind of miss my boys bark. Not bark, but knit in arms. But I'll be okay. I'll be okay. They'll be on the next episode. But, uh, but yeah, let us know how you enjoyed the debate episode. Just kind of an idea amongst talking with those guys. And we're going to bring you debate episode two in a matter of weeks uh, with DHH scout Brandon Nickel and uh, my boy Frank Bonincontri, the FFL wire, baby. We're going to bring that to you soon. But let us know what you thought about this one. Hit us up on Twitter. Give us a rate. Give us a review. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good evening. This concludes another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to give us a review.